Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going, learn some things you didn't know Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Give you energy like buck fast And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Yeah, gonna get along without you now oh. It is the Keith Walsh Podcast, you're very welcome It's episode 40 It's the 40th episode of this podcast and this is my last one. I decided to do 40 and then stop. No, I'm only joking. Uh, so I've only just, I've only just begun. How are you? Are you well? It is, as I'm recording this, it is Monday night. I should know this by now. I just checked this a minute ago. It's Monday night. It's December. It is the 14th of December. What's the crack? How are you? Um, how am I? I am doing good. I've been talking a little bit about um, on my Instagram about um, uh, this being my first. I don't know if I've spoken about it. I've spoken a little bit about alcohol and not drinking all that kind of stuff on the podcast. But this will be my first Christmas sans booze without the alcohol. I don't think I've talked about this. Or maybe I have. Who knows? Anyway, so um, so I've kind of been like uh, cataloging it, but there's nothing to catalog because it's not like. Like, like, at least if you're drinking, you go, oh, man, I got so, I drank too much last night and now I'm dying. And then I vomited, whatever. Whereas when you're not drinking, you're like, yep, didn't drink last night. End of story. There's no excitement really as much. Uh, not as much anyway. Not as many incidents. Um, but then I was a kind of a, mostly a kind of a, you know, quiet enough drinker. Just have my few drinks at the weekend and that was it. But... They were just get just the feelings of horror and dread and guilt and shittiness during the week was just getting a bit too much for me. Uh, it didn't the, the drink didn't suit. Him. That's what they'll say about me. Uh, anyway, that's kind of um, there's a reason for me mentioning that because for episode forty, I am speaking to um, uh, a former colleague of mine. No, former college. Uh, what do you call college? Uh, college mate, college classmate, college person, college something. <laughs> I don't know what the word is. Uh, we were in college together, myself and Fiona, and uh, I decided to get her on to talk about what she does. She is a, a writer. She is a clinical hypnotherapist. So she is a therapist and she'll help you, but she uses hypnotherapy to do that. Um, I don't know a huge amount about that. Uh, I'm I just know I'm a big fan of therapy and any kind of therapy that helps people is good. I am planning to um, 
go and visit her and try out a couple of sessions with her and see how we get on uh, at some stage. But yeah, myself and Fiona went to college back in the day. Let me just try and think what year it would have been. It would have been the early 90s, so you're talking 93, 94. Um, we would have been in college 94, maybe 95. 94, 90, 93, 94, 95, around then anyway. And um, we were only, oh God, I, must, I was in five. I must have been five years of age when I was in college. Very young. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Fiona. And we, we studied acting together. That was our thing. And you'll find out in, these, in this chat, in this podcast, why she fell out of love with... She pursued it a bit more than I did. Uh, after college, I kind of um, just stopped... Uh, really, altogether, for some reason, I don't know. Um, I think I might have been really, really blocked. I've <laughs> discovered in the last few years, um, and uh, I just stopped. But she carried on, and uh, you'll find out why and how she fell out of love. It was quite dramatic. Uh, why she decided to stop acting um, and got into hip, being a hypnotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist. Um, let me just see here what it says about her. I really love my job for the sole reason that every day I have the opportunity to help people to see the power that they have over their own mind and to control behaviours and feelings that they believed were controlling them. You see? Very good. There's a picture over here. She's um she's done TED Talks. She uh, is a TEDx speaker, regularly features in the media as an ambassador of positive psychology and how to manage stress and anxiety. Fiona regularly speaks at conferences and events and is the mental health expert on Today FM's Dermot and Dave show. Um, she is the founder and creator of the acclaimed five-star online therapy course, The Positive Habit, designed to help people to reduce anxiety levels and to reach their full potential. Uh, she has a weekly blog as well, so you can check her out. Uh, Fiona Brennan is her name. Go and follow her on Instagram, Twitter. She has a blog as well, so just Google her name and it will turn up there. Um... She also writes regularly for the acclaimed mental health website run by Brezzy, uh, Niall Breslin from the Blizzards, uh, alustforlife.com. She has transformed the lives of many people who exhibit behavioural-based issues. She's a higher diploma in theatre and performance, and uh, yeah, she does. And uh, she has she is a clinical hypn hypnotherapist from Clinical Hypnosis Ireland. Um, yeah, she's a couple of books. She's one book out, sorry, and she is a second one coming out soon. So the book she has out is called The Positive Habit and there's audio with that as well to help you and she has another book coming out which she speaks about in the chat. So loads to find out here. We start off by talking about college and a particularly cringy moment for me and then Fiona goes on to talk about her acting career um, and why she stopped acting and how she got into hypnotherapy. And yeah, we talked a little bit about, I talked a little bit about the booze and she had some interesting thoughts on that. And it was really nice just to catch up um, with an old college friend and shoot the breeze. Um, and, yeah, I just, I'm just very interested in people who help other people find their true potential. And I know that people might be listening to this and think it's a bit wanky, but no, it's... It's, it doesn't matter, like true potential doesn't mean like, uh, it doesn't mean like you're going to be, you want to be famous or in a band or an actor or whatever. It just means finding out what you're actually 
good at and what you'd be happy doing, whatever that is, and doing it and removing whatever barriers you have uh, that are getting in the way of you doing that. And we all have them and they're all in our, I don't know, subconscious, conscious mind. They're all there. They're all in our own heads. And they're all as, as a result of our experiences, good or bad, usually bad and usually traumatic experiences that stop us from doing the things that we should be doing. So that's why I'm interested. And it was great to talk to Fiona. Uh, I will encourage you to buy her uh, book, which I will talk a little bit about uh, after we ha- you have a listen to this chat with, uh, with Fiona. It is episode 40 uh, of the Keith Walsh podcast with Fiona Brennan. Enjoy. Aware of this situation in advance. Oh, yeah, I have a mic there as well. Oh, okay, so yeah, have, you were... I have two mics and I have to switch between the two. So it's very, I'm very technically advanced here. Well done, Keith. It's a wonderful, wonderful setup I have here. It's, uh, I could just start my own thing, my own radio station. Fiona, yeah. how are you, Fiona? I'm great, Keith. Thank you. Great indeed. Happy to be here with you. Uh, thanks for, for coming on. And uh, I mean, I know we've spoken... In the meantime, but it's a long time since we we were in college together. I, let's not say how many years. Well, why not? I've no shame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm at peace with my age, which is 45. Um, yeah, what a century is. It's not quite five years ago, but it's, it's 25 years, let's say. Was that fair? 25 years. Holy shit. Well, even maybe, dare I say it a little bit more? Maybe a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what age were you? Not much. <laughs> what age were you in college then? You're a bit younger than me, are well, you? Well, yes, now that you mention it. Uh, no, I, I basically, probably all of a year or two, I started... At 18, I just done my leaving cert. I went straight in and I had, by the time we left, I was just 19. So it was, you know, two years. So nearly 20. Yes. I think, yeah, I think I did a year of what was supposed to be a a year of portfolio course thing, getting my portfolio ready for art college. And then, uh, and then I joined. So my second year of college, so it was a year after the leaving cert, I, I went and did the brilliant, brilliant acting and drama course in Inchicore, uh, Inchicore City College, I believe it's called these days. Yes. <laughs> Is that uh, it? It was, it was Inchicore VEC uh, in our day. It was, it was. And there was a lot of great things in it. I mean, I think we, we, we had, above all, we had great fun. I don't think anyone can dispute that. <laughs> what we learned, I'm not sure, but we really did have good crack. Yeah, we enjoyed ourselves. I think that was that was the main. <laughs> I'll never forget. Like I still have, I still cringe. And I was talking recently because uh, I did a one man show, and Janet Morn, uh, who yeah. who was in college with us for a year before she buggered off, uh, to, to became actually, successful <laughs> to actually to actually do some acting, unlike the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, she uh, I was talking to her about the time I played the lead in a play called Every Man. Um, I didn't really learn my lines. And the night before the performance, which was we were supposed to perform it. We did perform it in front of the second years who were like the, they were quite a serious bunch. Um, and I was I'd gone out the night before and I arrived in late 
and very hungover, possibly still drunk, and uh, made an absolute hems of the thing, but somehow stumbled through it. And uh, but I still cringe at the thought of like I just like how. How did we do that? How the hell uh, did I get through that performance so hungover? And like, if you, you, you know, you talk about having the fear, like you, you, you don't know the fear when you're very hungover and you have to perform in front of your teachers and your, your second years and all of your classmates who know that you're late and you're still possibly drunk and you just have to keep going, even though you don't really know the words most of the time. What a shambles. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that was part of it all, really, wasn't it? I mean, as much as as the play itself, that was the learning. <laughs> that was part of the course. That was one of the... <laughs> yeah, uh, performing, on a, performing on a hangover while possibly still drunk, having not really learned your lines. I think that was the uh, the module. Uh, yeah, module, exactly. Module How do you two. How do you how do you recover from that? And how resilient are you at pretending that you're not drunk and <laughs> that you do have some idea of what you're doing? You know, that is acting at it's very it's it's what a lot of people do, Keith, I think, day to day. And um, that's life. Yeah, that, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. And tell us a little bit about yourself. So you so obviously we did uh, we did the acting and performing. Uh we yeah. neither of us went on to become well, we neither of us went to Hollywood anyway what did you sort of do after college then well I actually was pretty doggedly pursuing acting regardless of how successful I was or not <laughs> didn't seem to matter um yeah I, I would say I was really in love with it to be honest with you Keith like I actually really spent 10 years sort of it, it felt at times like banging my head off a wall and um, but sometimes that wall became a bit softer and I would have moments of of you know um peaks and work and um I I think I've always been someone who who is quite tenacious and doesn't give up so you know quite a lot of the messages that we got in college to be honest looking back were, were pretty negative in terms of you know I remember being told you know kind of like that that tv ad you know you've got no talent and you'll never have any success and you're going nowhere and I really advise you do something else and when somebody tells a young person that it's 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 you know maybe not the most positive message but the way that I sort of took it on was was to do like that kind of almost pr I'll prove you wrong I'm going to do this and I was very very determined and I don't regret any of it you know I mean I, I put on a lot of my own plays I had my own theater company I met amazing people and uh, I also traveled quite a bit so I lived in Paris I think straight after um college I went to live in in Paris and um, determined to be an actor in Paris uh, which is pretty, like, when you look back, you go, you know, fair, fair balls to you, Fiona. <laughs> you had school French and you were, you know, very, very determined. And that, I think, is something that has always stood to me. 
Um, so basically I did that for 10 years in terms of staying in that world of theatre, of, you know, little bits on TV and, and all of that. And, and really I gave it, I gave it my best shot. And for that, I, you know, have no regrets. Um, however, I fell out of love, Keith, with the whole thing um, quite dramatically which is rather apt when you think about it in terms of... <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only way to do it with dramas. to the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it was in 2007, January 2007, and I was on in Andrews Lane studio, which anyone who knows uh, the theatre world back then was, was kind of like at the hub of it. And it was in a play called... Uh, don't know was it look back in anger not don't not the way yes no. yes look yeah. back in anger yes uh, stoppard is it osborne john osborne oh my god like oh, your no. child knows it was the same genre the whole kitchen sink you know um sort of style and it was basically this part i was playing uh was jimmy porter's wife and jimmy porter literally was the angriest man in the world and you know it was kind of like EastEnders in the 1950s, you know, he's just constantly suffering and uh, in pain. And he takes all of this pretty much out on his wife, which was my good self. And I, um, I had like, you know, I can only explain it as a kind of an epiphany in, in a sort of reverse sense, if you like, where I had a realization I didn't want to do this anymore. And it was a really successful run. You know, we'd, we put the show together ourselves, the theatre company I was in. It was sold out. It was like they wanted to go to the main stage. It was like, it was all of the things that I'd really been working towards. And I just had this moment on stage, Keith, where it was like, never mind your every man moment <laughs> being drunk. I was a very sober, you know, adult uh, in my, what was I, 31 or so. And, and I just went... I don't want to do this anymore. It just literally kind of came down on me like a ton of bricks in the middle of the play. At that moment, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so there you are. Now, what are you going to do with a thought like that in the middle of the play? Um, so I let it, you know, I obviously was a professional and, and kept kept the show on. You, the show goes on no matter what. But it really sat with me. And it was like a light switch. I can't explain. It was like a light switch. It's like it's like I'm, I was in love with a person, if you like. And then it was like, no, I'm not in love with you anymore. And I, I can't, no matter how hard I try, I can't re recreate that feeling. It's 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 finished. Um, and that's how how I sort of exited the whole um, the whole business. Uh, and it was it was really to do with I think I think it was the part I was playing. I think it was my own mental health anxiety. Um, and I felt that it was just too desperately sad. Like this, this character was um, basically she'd suffered a miscarriage and I went through this scene that was just like heart wrenching. You know, it was like the energy it took out of me every evening to go through that emotion. And what I know now, what I like my work today, you know, I realize how and why it was so difficult for me because essentially our subconscious mind, it, it doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So an actor is that, you know, you're, you're asking an awful lot of an actor to go into those very deep and dark places. And if you're going to do a good job, I think that you do need to 
to access those parts of yourself. You know, it's very hard to completely separate. And um, so I, I do think often that, you know, and I've said it to, to different people over the years that, that on actor training courses, there needs to be, you know, a psychological module that, that tells you how to deal with these things and gives you the tools um, not to soak in so much of the, of the deep emotional work. And how can, you, how can you separate yourself from that? How can you keep yourself safe um, mentally and emotionally? Because you've got that side of it and then you've got the whole business side of it, which is basically being rejected pretty much um, every day, uh, which, you know, can take its toll on the most robust of us. Um, and yeah, I think it was a culmination of those two things that came together. Um, and, I, and I just thought, you know, I want to do something that actually really helps like I wanted to help the character I was playing I didn't want it it ended in tragedy you know and I, I wanted to kind of swoop in there and and pick her up and help her and um, you know to give it the Hollywood ending <laughs> which you don't get in kitchen sink as you know um, but you, you were trying to almost stop her suffering then yeah by stopping the play wow yeah exactly Keith I never actually thought of it. But that's why I wanted to stop the play. Yeah, stop this. Yeah, she that's exactly it. Yeah. If I could stop the play, I could stop her suffering. Must have been. Um, Must have been. It's interesting you say... It's my job. Let's swap. <laughs> <laughs> You're good at this. <laughs> it's interesting that you say about uh, the need for some sort of psychologist or psychotherapist when it comes to acting courses. Because I do remember being asked, I remember sitting in a circle and what, what age were you were 18? I was 19. Mm-hmm. Sitting in a circle and being asked to talk about, you know, sort of like, um, I suppose, past traumas or, you know, to create a moment of, you know, where, where you, something you might tap into if you're asked to be sad in a scene. Um, and I remember sitting there going, like, there's like you know just blank there's not what are you talking about you know and I, I can remember going back to my mother at one point and she's she's since said it to me uh and I'm like I had a quite a traumatic childhood but at that point in my life and I, and I remember saying to my mother oh I'll never make it as an actor because my life was too nice you know which is she has since said back to me um which isn't true but as a 19 year old I was just like everything that happened to me up to the age of 19 for me was completely normal there was no trauma there was no what are you talking about? Like, I just did, I just had the life that everybody else had. You know, it's only like, the. <laughs> I only got in touch with my emotions in the last year. And, you know, I'm past 45 now at this stage. So it's interesting for like an American lady to sit as your teacher to sit down and go, okay, let's yes. talk about your traumas. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't think we knew what the trauma was. We were too traumatized. To- <laughs> <laughs> this is this is trauma. I'm an Irish boy sitting in front yeah. of an American being asked to cry. This is traumatic. Absolutely, Keith. Yeah, I, I think you, you've 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 hit on something there. We there was there was a lack of awareness, really. Um, you know that. I don't think I even understood what the word anxiety meant. I didn't uh, know what that meant. And yet I was suffering from it every day, but I couldn't put the two, I couldn't join the dots, you know? Um, 
And it's interesting that you say it's only in the last year or so that you, you know, and I've seen that, you know, you've spoken about it, which I think is, is really, really good. And um, especially for men's mental health, I think it's, it's really, really important because I see a lot of, of male clients, um, you know, again, in their 40s or, uh, you know, younger and older as well. But, but just that sort of like conditioning to suppress, you know, that that's, that's, that's kind of almost what men are, men are taught that. And, you know, we have made huge progress, but we're definitely nowhere where we need to be in terms of, of uh, men's mental health and, and the messages that young boys are receiving, I think are again, prehistoric in terms of don't cry, don't express it. You know, if you hurt yourself, um, put, you didn't cry, well done. You know, that's a success if you don't cry. Um, whereas to be honest, that's just complete bullshit, you know, you know, I, and I think having being a mother of of a son has opened my eyes to this in a way that I don't think I would have ever seen, because you you can fall into that belief system that that boys don't cry until you realize just how sensitive and uh, sort of they're just you know you're human <laughs> as much as any any bloody else you know in terms of of the of the that range of emotion that's sensitivity that um fear anxiety all of those things are obviously as 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 prevalent in in both genders but one gender is is taught to suppress that and i think that is something that you know it really really needs as much uh sort of awareness building as possible and as many role models as possible um and i think uh, for example niall breslin has been an amazing role model for this country i think he's just really shifted things in a way that we would not be where we are today without his um work and his courage and his openness and um, because he he would maybe come across as that alpha male you know he's tall he's sporty etc etc um and he shattered a lot of those those illusions i think that 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 can be out there so i think it's great what in a long way keith i'm saying you know, fair play to you. <laughs> You've come a lot. You are every man now. Uh, finally, finally, I've reached finally. Like, the, the role of my life. I am now every man. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so, so, so we can get back to all that. What did you do? I mean, obviously, yes. I mean, I mean, you, that's a massive breakup then really for you. Like that's traumatic in itself to just to realize if you're, you're not in love with the thing you love anymore. How do you, how do you move on and how do you find your next your next uh, thing? You would think so. I know, but it didn't feel, to be honest, it felt liberating. And like I say, I have not looked back since. I did not look back in anger. I'm looking back in, in joy and <laughs> um, without regret, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I moved on fairly quickly in terms of that realization that I wanted to make a difference and to help people. I think that's that's part of the reason why I loved acting so much was my fascination with human nature and psychology and people. And, you know, I just, you know, have always been one of those people who would just stare, like my husband, Kieran, going to Fiona, you're staring again. Like, sorry, 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 I can't help it. People you know, watcher, like, yeah. A, yeah, total people watcher, like to the point of, 
just entering into their world and trying to understand and just fascinated by it. And I think that's what I really loved about acting um, was to try to understand human nature better. But understanding it is, is only one part. It's, it's, it's how then can you actually make a difference and help? So to be honest, Keith, like it, I did make that transition quite quickly in terms of once that had landed, I think it just seemed natural for me. I didn't, there was no trauma. <laughs> there was, there was just a lovely smooth transition into, well, like, like again, motherhood, you know, my son was born in the same year in 2007. He came towards the end of that year. And that again, opened a huge, um, piece of myself I think everyone who becomes a parent learns about themselves um, and the realization then that that I had been suffering I think again was was slowly starting to sink in because I don't think I realized it a bit like yourself you know in terms of uh, that sense of you can't really see the woods if you're you know you can't see the trees if you're in the woods you just are going through it um, so I remember again, there's, there's moments we have, isn't there, Keith, in our lives where, where you have these moments that just kind of are pivotal. And I remember, um, and it's not a moment I'm proud of, but it was a moment where I think my son was like, Luke was about not even two years old. And I just literally lost it. Like I was shouting at him and he was sitting on the stairs. And he was just crying. And I was going, oh God, it was just horrible. Even thinking about it now, it brings back horrible, <laughs> tingly memories mm. of this. I was like, this is not good this is bad. Like I'm shouting at a two-year-old who's completely vulnerable and does not deserve this. So it's like quite often, and again, I see it in my clients, it's like the shame that we feel over when, when we feel like we've lost control of our emotion. We feel so bad about ourselves that that energy of feeling bad about ourselves creates more of the unwanted behavior, the shame of feeling angry, for example. But I just remember that moment and I was like, okay, I'm going to, to go and I'm going to get help. You know, I'm going to do this thing that people talk about therapy and I'm going to, you know, see what, what I can do because this can't, I can't do that. I have enough awareness to know that this is very wrong. And I went and I got amazing psychotherapy um, for, I was like, I literally went every week, which I think is brilliant. <laughs> what a luxury. Yeah, I know. You know, yeah. to go every week, an hour just for me, listening to me. Wow. And uh, I had a very good therapist. And I think that that really helps. I think you can be, you know, I think it's so important for people. Again, that brings me up to, to where I am today, that if somebody goes to get help, that's a very courageous thing to do. And it ha you really need to honor that, you know, in terms of doing your best to make that um, truly beneficial for that person and a place that they can feel safe and a place that they're listened to. Because, and it's not to say that some therapists are crap at all, but there is a sense of just how important it is um, that the rapport, that you have that rapport with someone. Um, so it, I found the right person, let's say, um, and that that made a huge difference. So I went, I think, every week, as I say, for for probably, I, 
can't even recall. It could have been 18 months or even two years, but it was a good period of time. And I just, I'm laughing about it now, but like, my God, I just remember crying a lot. Like the poor lady, when I think of it now, the tissues, the tissues, she must have had to buy a lot of tissues after my visits because the tears kept flowing. Did you feel like, because I, and I've, my therapist is a guy called Luke. And if anybody, okay. wa- if anybody wants his details, uh, uh, they can get in touch with me. That's fine. But he said that I turned up ready, ready to do the work. Like I was so ready for it, you know, and I, and I did something similar. I, I did like, I, de- I definitely did a year of every week and then, you know, sort of it, then every second week or whatever, but you were obviously you arrived ready to go. Let's do this. You know, nobody, you made the decision. You knew there was something there that you needed to deal with. And you arrived and you said, right, let's get to work. Would that be true? Would that be fair to say? Yes, I think so. And I think I knew, like I say, it was our pivotal moment of knowing, like, this couldn't go on. And, and that's quite often happens with a person is that the, the, the suffering is the breakthrough. So you you feel so bad or, or, or something like that, you know, the shouting at a child or something like that kind of pushes you through. Uh, and people often speak about that, you know, or it can be the moment where, you know, um, they fell down the stairs because they were drunk and hurt themselves. And it, it's like, it's an awful thing that happens, but the realization that, that, that this is waking you up to, to, to the pain that needs to be, to be looked at. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think I was, I was ready, as you say, yes absolutely and you got through a lot that year that year and a half of those two years and did you discover a lot about yourself like was there stuff that you I mean I don't need you to talk about anything you don't want to talk about but was there stuff that you were that you'd kind of had there's stuff that happens in your life that you don't put any weight to and then there's other things that you put too much weight and you know you everyone has their own story and you know some of it isn't true and it's I mean I know it's an untangling of everything but it's uh it can be very interesting it's, it is. It's fascinating. Yeah. And again, it's often less about, you know, discovering specifics and more about the, the, the relationship that you have with yourself. So I discovered that, like, I didn't like myself very much, that I'd been very hard on myself. Um, and that's just something I, I see so, so much of it. I think, it, 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 you know, when you put it quite simply, it's like, what is that internal relationship like and that shame or that guilt or that you know feeling not worthy um so i think that was at the heart of it and it's like a slow dawning and of of realization oh you know maybe i'm not actually such a bad person <laughs> wow there's an idea <laughs> could i even entertain it you know, and what happens when I do entertain it? And what happens if I allow myself to, to believe that to be true and sit with the parts that are, are so uh, difficult to sit with rather than, than fear them? Um, now, I'm saying all of this from where I am today, but at the time, it probably I probably wouldn't have used that language or had that those kind of insights. I think that comes... With experience it comes over time and that's why i think it's a continual process you know i think that we're still learning like i'm still learning about myself all the time and i don't think that will ever end and i don't want it to ever end because that is um you know it's like actually i heard 
uh, podcast you did recently, Keith, with Lynn, Lynn Rowan, which I thought was, you know, her insights were really spot on in terms of mental health being something that is an ongoing journey, you know, and she's put a lot of work in to her and on herself. And as a result, you know, she's in a much better place, which is fantastic. But the maintenance of that place is something that is ongoing. Like she said herself as well, and I think that's so, you know, I would say I'm in that place as well, where it's it's less about fighting fires now and more just about, you know, um, the whole area of growth and positive psychology of progress. Um, and that's what I love is, is that you can sort of become at peace, if you like, with the, the suffering that you've had. And then you are in a position to 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 start to move forward but at the same time you're you're always tending to that more vulnerable part of yourself um so it's 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 like an art it's a skill um that you learn and that's just so like empowering it's so hopeful um and it's something that i'm just like really passionate about continually getting that message out there it's, um, it's it's interesting. And again, it's it's not just me saying it. It's the whole. Yeah, sorry, Keith. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, I think there's a slight delay that, but we'll work with it. Um, it's interesting you say about the maintenance of it because I've had a year. I mean, I I started therapy. I suppose it's probably two years ago now, um, and then I've had a great year, kind of twelve months where I stopped. I stopped drinking. You know, so it, and it wasn't like a, there was no, it wasn't, I, it wasn't a, a big breakup. We just drifted apart, you know, which was lovely. Great. Um, yeah. And, but kind of towards the end of this year, like a few weeks ago, I was like, I decided to do an experiment where I would drink again. Um, so I kind of had two weekends where I just drank what I would have drank before I stopped drinking, you know? Um, and the following week felt absolutely terrible. Uh, re re I was reminded of how bad I felt. And it's not the drinking. The drinking isn't the problem because I can just sit downstairs, have a bottle of wine, watch the telly. It's all good. I'm cozy. I'm looking at the fireplace. I'm watching the telly. I feel great. I'm, I've had a couple of glasses of wine. It's lovely. It's not that because I'm not, I'm not drinking three bottles of whiskey and punching my wife, you know. Um. It's the aftermath. It's the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday. And I didn't realize before. I mean, as I said, we just drifted apart, me and alcohol, you know, so it wasn't like me going, oh, I have to give up the drink. I didn't go to therapy about drink. That wasn't what I, you know, but it just, yeah. it was just a thing. I was like, well, I don't need to drink. Like I was offered wow. a drink. I was offered a drink one weekend. I was like, well, actually, I prefer, I prefer the feeling I have now than the feeling Absolutely. that that drink will give me. Yeah. So, but you talk about maintenance. I obviously, it was some sort of, this wasn't about me doing an experiment to see how I, how I get on having a drink and, how, you know, it, because I felt like shit for the weeks afterwards. And I was gone and I just said, oh, fuck, that's, I've been doing that to myself. I've been doing that to myself since I, since I was 18. Yeah. And this is, I'm, and I'm only realizing it now since I did my little experiment and I'm going, what the fuck was I doing to myself? And I f would feel, and the shame I would feel about nothing but it was just a thing. The anxiety, the 
the feeling of dread, the feeling of being a terrible person, like I've done something terrible and something terrible is about to happen, this sense of doom. And, and, and I was doing this to myself every week, every weekend, all the time for the guts of my life. And but also the fact that I decided to have a drink again and do that experiment was obviously I, you know, I immediately like last week I went back to Luke and I went, Luke, look, this is happening, man. And he was I said, what's going on? And he was like, well, look, it's not about the drink. It's not about it's about you needing to keep on top of things so that you can stay or stop doing the things to yourself that aren't good for you because of whatever reason you, you know, we all have different reasons to make ourselves feel like shit. But it was fascinating to me, but also it was a reminder that this is a, this is a, you know, the word journey is bandied about. So I'll use voyage. This is a voyage and yeah. it's, but it's, but you, you constantly have to keep checking the map and making Absolutely. sure you're on the right route, you know? Well, there, I mean, it's interesting because the alcohol is like a depressant. So it's not a coincidence that you're going to feel shit and bad. And it is fuel. I, I, I definitely think it's fuel for anxiety or any mental health. You know, it's not, obviously it's not the cause, but it 100% is not the solution. And, you know, again, it's like you were probably just triggered, Keith, like unconscious sort of feelings within yourself. When you lose consciousness, what is it to be sober? To be sober is to be conscious, to be aware. And that is the most beautiful thing of all is, is to have our, awareness and our ability to be present and alcohol takes that away alcohol fuzzes everything right it, it, it it's it's an escape so what the question is like what what is a person escaping from if if one's consciousness and one's presence is not is so difficult or uh uncomfortable then it would appear and this is you know we can understand why then i would somebody one you i anyone would would uh, for example would uh choose to escape because it it appears to offer a solution and that solution is actually like the emperor's new clothes it's 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 the opposite because one becomes sober again. And once one becomes sober again, all of those feelings uh, are compounded and more intense. Um, and there's a whole load of new feelings, like you're talking about, you know, the, the guilt and the shame, then that's kind of added on now. So, you know, it's conditioning as well. I mean, I think, you know, we're laughing, Keith, about, you know, you turning up on the stage completely drunk and, you know, just that. And it is, there's, there's that sort of, there is that idea of it being fun, but it's not fun really at all. You know, we laugh, obviously, but it is our conditioning. And I think when we go back to, to our younger years, that is almost what was expected of us. You know, I felt like it was a, a sort of a, a rite of passage. That's what you did now that you were becoming an adult. You know, you're still 18, 19 years of age. You're still very young. But this is what one does to have fun. And I love fun. So I will do this. But it was simple. It was just like a very simple equation. You know, you want fun, drink. Very straightforward. And very straightforward. Uh, but, you know... The problem, obviously, there, there's so many problems that come with that. And, and at, at that stage, as we were growing up, there really wasn't the um, awareness 
that there is today, which is is fantastic that we we have we have made progress. But I do. I listened to the art the artist singer Sia. She's uh, she sings the song Chandelier, and she was on uh, she was on a podcast. Louis Theroux actually interviewed her, and she you know and 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 it's an obvious thing i suppose when you hear it but she was saying that you know if you want to get xanax or if you want to get uh you know whatever medication like most drugs are illegal you know if you want to lose yourself for a while if you, it's basically is you need to you're self medicating so you can get through life i suppose alcohol is 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 cheap enough and it's legal and we don't have to go to the doctor first and we don't have to ask them to up our prescription and we could just go into the shop and buy a bottle of wine and it's a form of self-medication. And I think that I was self-medicating for a long, long time. And I think that uh, I'm using this as a, as a session, Fiona. And I yeah. think that <laughs> free session. I, I'm just picking that up right now. But yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> but I think yeah. that um, I think that I was so happy to not be drinking or to f- be feeling the way I was feeling. But then it's that oh, fuck, how long is this going to last? And it's going to call, come crashing down at some point. So I might as well facilitate all that. You know, there's like, you, you kind of, you like you're freewheeling down the road and you feel like, the, you know, you hit a speed wobble or something like that. It's very interesting. And the reason I'm talking about it is because I'm, that's what's happening to me right now. And I find it fascinating to look Absolutely. at and think about. And it's, it's good because if you do any work on yourself and you think about, you can really help yourself by being, by coming away from yourself and looking at what you're thinking and what you're doing. And I find it fascinating. Uh, and now also I have Luke to check in with to, to help me to get through it because I'm not able to fix myself, but, but it's utterly fascinating, the human condition and the things we do to ourselves and the, the and, and, and the inability to ask for help or, you know, that I would have, struggled for so long and not yeah. asked for help and thought that what I was doing was and the way I was living was absolutely fine you know yes yeah again conditioning and one thing I would say there is like to fix yourself like I, I often say this to to myself to my clients is you know you're not you don't need to be fixed you're not broken I think <laughs> it's really important because we do feel like you know when you when you are struggling like that you can feel like you're broken but none of us are essentially broken. And I think that's really important um, because otherwise it can feel very frustrating. Like you're, you're constantly trying to fix something and it's not like we're a vase that you get some super glue and stick back together. It's, it's much more, um, there's so many more nuances to it than that. And that's like what you're saying there is so important to learn from, you know, it was actually, you know, as, as difficult as it sounds or, you know, tricky as it sounds, it was worth that experiment because you've learned something from it. You've learned something really important that you wouldn't have learned had you not um, engaged with it, you know, and, and, and that is just how uh, unhelpful alcohol is for our mental health. And, you know, the relationship that we have with alcohol says a lot about how uh, the relationship we have with ourselves, because you know what are the histories of it what is the origin of it and what is it what is it you're trying to what is it you want from the drink and exactly what you said Keith is so important it's like that that I prefer the state that I'm in now (laughs) than the state that that drink could bring me to I actually prefer to be here and that's 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 a really good wonderful sign so 
Luke is doing a, a fabulous job and so are you in terms of helping. Um, tell me how you got into what you're doing now then. So what, so you so you started going to therapy and then you said, I really like this. You, you obviously fell in love with, with the process or something. Should you explain it to me? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I knew, as I said, that I wanted to do something to help people. And it was around that stage then I went to train as a, a clinical hypnotherapist and I found that this elevated the experience in terms of where I was in terms of all of the psychotherapy talking therapy had been so useful but with hypnotherapy I found my god it's like the power of the imagination and the power of the subconscious was a whole new world to me and you know like my sister used to laugh at me like, you know, she'd see me coming from college and the training and I, she'd go, Fiona, you're just like this. Like you're walking on air. You're so happy. And I was like, I, I, I feel like amazing. I feel so happy because I was creating. It's like, you know, all of these positive emotions within myself, which is something I didn't know that one could do. And um, so I found I fell in love with 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 hypnotherapy. And again, it's really interesting because the power of suggestion many years before and um, when I was 10 years old my dad had a heart um, operation quite like a, he was only 39 and he had a, a triple bypass um, and I was 10 years old and he had been a smoker he was kind of like a bon vivor he liked his cigarettes and his you know pints and all of that and he um, basically the only thing that worked for him in terms of stopping smoking was these hypnotherapy cassettes. And I, my, my bedroom was right beside his study at night. So he'd be in there listening to these. I no longer smoke. Smoking is disgusting. I have decided to stop smoking. And I was like, wow, you know, I don't, and I, as a result, I did hate smoking. Um, it worked. Even though I didn't. Even though, even though I did it. Um, but the point is that it, it was like I saw that really work for my dad. I saw the power of it. And it was the only thing that, that, that worked for him was, was the hypnotherapy. So I think that's why I chose that. Although, again, I hadn't made that connection at the time. It's only years later. You go, oh, yeah, Jesus, Dad, did you used to listen to those cassettes? Um, which just shows how long ago it was when we say things like cassettes, not even, not even DVDs, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> god we're so old yeah put us down now surely we should be we should be next in line for the vaccine surely come on we're very old i think so <laughs> our previous trauma and our alcoholic ways we'd be there'd be pictures of the two of us in the, at the hospital it'd be pictured in the paper <laughs> exactly oh look at the lovely old people getting the vaccine oh <laughs> Oh God. Okay. You're going a bit too far with this, Keith. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have self-belief, but <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, the hypnotherapy is what really um, was the, was the, was the one that, that I really wanted to, um, to explore and train in. And that's, and that's why I chose it. And since then, I mean, it's eight years ago now, I think that I first started, um, out as, as a private uh, clinical hypnotherapist and again I just I haven't looked back like I, I immediately felt that what I was doing was was right you know and I think the people who 
who love me could see that you know they were like Fiona this is you know you do you you found your calling if you like um maybe they had a point in Inchicore <laughs> my calling was was oh. different yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just found that, that I was at home, if you like, and, and it, it sort of was very smooth. And I think when things go smoothly in that way, you know, in terms of setting up a business um, and things falling into place, I think you, you probably have found the right place for you. The groove is right. Um, and I just immediately really connected to the work and 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 still do like every day I, I feel like you know I know it might sound corny in American but I, I literally am delighted to get up and come into to my office here and, and to work with people I just find that it's such an honor I find that it's like I no longer have to be that person on the on the train wondering <laughs> are they married they tell me everything and I love it <laughs> and I get I get I get that insight that you know so few people get in life is is to actually really see into the to the hearts and souls of people and what I see is so much goodness Um, my faith in humanity is huge absolutely huge Um, so when people are sort of misunderstanding each other when there's a lot of misconception you know, it's so useful to, to know that at the heart of it, you know, people, most people are generally very, very good and they can get confused. Their behavior can be bad. You know, we don't have to look far to see, you know, uh, so many awful things in the world, but often that comes from a place of fear and a place of unconsciousness. So that in itself is is very um reassuring it's you know i find it very reassuring uh to do the work i do and to be able to 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 bring my reassurance if you like with the world to my clients to share that um and to help them essentially like to fall in love with themselves uh, in the way that i am in love <laughs> with myself <laughs> in the best possible way that one can be you know like you are Keith as well I think at the moment you know you can see that yeah I'm getting I'm definitely getting there you know um and it's as I say it's 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 a constant uh it's it's constant it's you have to it's like a it's like any it's like a a marriage it's like any relationship you have to keep on top of it and you have to be you know you have to do little romantic things for yourself yeah uh you have to be good to yourself and you have to give yourself um you know time out to do things that you enjoy and uh you know obviously if you are if you help yourself then you're much more helpful to other people as well um it's for me it's also about it's it's a weird because there's two things going on you have to look outside of yourself at other people and how you can help them and work on yourself at the same time. So, so, so there's two kind of, you have to be selfish and selfless uh, at the same time. So it's, it's very interesting. Would you have been one of these people? Sometimes I find myself looking, I'm a big people watcher myself. And obviously that's why we were attracted to the arts and acting and all that kind of stuff. Would you find yourself feeling the sadness of another person if you saw them on the street, somebody you didn't know? Um, 
I would feel sympathy for them, but I don't like I, with my training and my work, I don't take on those emotions in terms okay. of, let's say if we go back to, you know, being on stage and feeling those emotions to that level that it, it would damage my own um, sense of self. I have the space to hold their sadness, if you like, but I, I, I am not uh, feeling it in the same way. And, and that's, that is a really, really important aspect of, of my work. And it's why a lot of therapists burn out, you know, it's, it's intense work, you know, you're, you're listening to huge, I mean, as much as I'm saying, I love it and, and, and learning, it's, it's incredibly uh, intense. And in order to keep, you know, to, to do my job and to be there for that person, I can't go into it with them. I've got to work alongside them to hold a safe place for them to, to feel their sadness and to know that I can tolerate their sadness is actually what helps them to tolerate the, their own sadness and their own pain. So you don't want to be an empath. An empath is actually very quite a selfish thing to be um, because it's like the person who, who, who goes to you know, the funeral of a friend's mother and needs to be um, you know, consoled because they're so sad. That, that's not about the situation that's that's the person themselves um and it, it it's it's not intentional that they're trying to make it about themselves but that's what's happening and it goes back to what you were saying Keith about you know you've got to have that balance it is like it's like walking an acrobat line you know you've got to 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 tend to yourself so that you can tend to others and that's not selfish it's the opposite it's selfless it's absolutely selfless because you now have something to give. You have your presence, you have your energy, you have compassion, you have care. And that can only come through cultivating it within yourself. And then you have that to, to give. Can you tell um, me, can you tell me a little bit yeah. about your first book then, Fiona, The Positive Habit? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, that came out in 2019. Um, and it's been really successful I think it was like such a a wonderful thing to do I'm really proud of it I love I, I I'm really <laughs> love love my own book great <laughs> yes good you can see just how much this works right <laughs> um <laughs> I, I'll, I'll have whatever she's having <laughs> uh yeah so so it was it was like a vocation again it, it's like that that calling you know I just felt like I had to do this I think it, it sort of came about it was it was a journalist was interviewing me for a book she was writing and as she was talking to me she goes would you write your own book and I said yeah you know that's something I would it's like one of those things we say I'd like to do it you know but sure Jesus when would you get around to that or would it be any good and all the self-doubt and all of that and I think it's again pivotal moments when people actually reach out to help others and just say that well you know I can put you in touch with my editor or you know and you're like really me wow thank you and you take that leap of faith in yourself and then it just flows so um it's basically it's it's a very practical book I've, I've made it really practical in terms of I think when 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 you when you're suffering with anxiety and stress you need something to hold on to you need tools you need tactics um and you need it a strong guiding hand and that's what I try to to do in, in my work in my books and in my clinic 
Um, and then again, there's the huge aspect of the audio. So, so that's what people find really beneficial because as much as you're reading on a conscious level, you're listening on a subconscious level. So, so the audios are designed to reinforce everything that you're learning. Um, and I always, you know, with my clients, that hypnotherapy aspect is, is hugely important because you're, you're, you're not just forgetting about the subconscious and hoping it's going to soak it in. You're actually, you know, going right into the heart of it and repetition is usually important. So it's like, it's nice to listen to it once, but again, it's back to that whole idea of the habit. And that's why, you know, hence the title, the positive habit. And I think it's important with a book, like the word positive habit is to be clear on, on, you know, I often say that the most the positive thing we can do is, is to feel negative emotions. So it's not about, you know, toxic positivity or forcing positivity. It's about actually embracing negative emotions with courage and compassion. And as a result, that is in itself a positive act. Um, because there is a, there is a lot, and you know, it, it can feel like pressure to be positive. Um, and that's, really important not to to you know i think that I, I work hard at getting that message across in in the book um yeah it's done very well for you uh and i know it was a bestseller and uh i i i know i spoke to you around the time and you did send me some of the recordings and mm-hmm. you know kind of look back now i don't think i was oh, as open to it as I should have been. Well, I just wasn't in the place. You but um, ready. yeah, yeah. But it's very interesting to see how something you know how you can how you can turn you know how a year on or whatever. And I suppose the point I'm trying to make is that there's lots of people hopefully listening to this, and uh, they they might feel like you know you might be trying to encourage your partner or thinking about it yourself or you know thinking about getting some therapy or looking into you know minding yourself or looking after yourself a bit better. And it can take time. It can take time. You know, you can, as you said before at the start, you, you can go to a therapist that doesn't agree with you or you don't get on with or whatever, and that can be a false start. And but I would say the positive habit is a good is a good it's a good way to start and. Um, as you say, we plenty of bad, so, yeah. plenty, plenty of bad habits. So you might as well throw the positive habit in there as well, you know, and just see how you get on, you know, give it a go. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And it is, it's like a manual in the sense that it, there's a lot of information and I think education is power as well. You know, it, it explains how your brain works. Um, it, it, you know, I talk about neuroplasticity and all of those things. And I think once you have that, that knowledge, it's very empowering. Um, and laid out in a simple way. You know, you've got to keep things simple because when you're anxious, you don't have the capacity to, to you know, handle anything too complicated. Um, so it's, it's yeah. And, and a lot of it is, is actually based on sort of Greek uh, Stoic philosophy, which um, at the heart of it is, is, is what's, in my control and what's out of my control and that is a huge part of 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 positive mental health is that realization of of you know letting go of of so many external factors that are out of our control and tending to what is in your control which essentially are your thoughts your feelings and your behaviors uh which is a lot (laughs) a lot is in your control yeah 
there's uh, there's a book out at the moment. I think it's is it called the Stoics? There's, but it's very uh, it's it's a very kind Stoicism is is we, we're a lot of people are revisiting Stoicism yeah. as a way of figuring out what you what you need to fix and what you don't need to fix or what you need to worry about what you don't need to worry about or you can't control and you can't control. It's very interesting. It is. It is. Yeah. And it's 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 practice. I mean, we can understand it on an intellectual level, but it's the experience of that. It's actually bringing that into your everyday and feeling that. And that's where where the brain actually starts to change. It changes through experience. And so soaking in the moments where, for example, you know, in the past, you might have, I don't know, um, shouted when your kids were socks were all over the place and got stressed you know you actually notice okay I'm going to take a deep breath I'm going to slow everything down I'm going to pick up the socks <laughs> and not enter in that you know space that harms me and creates tension um, and then as a result you you actually acknowledge that and congratulate yourself and say well done you know because the socks were there regardless you know, um, it's how do you how do you relate to that and how do you respond and really acknowledging every little bit of progress uh, because we, we tend not to do that. We, we tend to skip over progress and, you know, simply just focus on on when we get it wrong, if you like, and, 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 and when we feel bad and the, the negative emotions hijack us. So it's acknowledging those those micro moments of choice sit with it sit with your successes the um so are you allowed to talk about your next book then or is that top yeah, I think you don't have to get, we don't have to get into it but uh but when's that you out just to let people know or, or you can say as much as you want about it um it's coming in february 21 so it'll be basically two years since the first book and again um here i go again <laughs> i love this book <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can, I'm I can, very, I can, uh, I can, yeah. I concur. I, I, I really, I really liked it too. Like, well, I thought thank it was, you, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to to read it. I was really delighted, Keith. Um, and yeah, it's as you know, it's called the self love habit, and it is, it's kind of like a further exploration, if you like. I think the positive habit is is a foundational um door that opens into this book because it is deeper in the sense that you are looking at your relationship with yourself. Um, and I talk about, you know, the shadow self and the beholder. And the beholder is like, you know, that sense of presence and awareness and mindfulness. And then the shadow self is the part that, that, that can suffer, the anxiety, the stress and the anger. And ultimately it's about the, the love of those darker parts of ourselves and how we cultivate that and how we practice that. So I think it is, again, um, a very practical book. I've made it, you know, I've tried to make it as accessible as I can in terms of there's techniques, there's, there's letter writing. I know you were saying you were you know, doing some of the letter writing and um, there is uh, the audio. So it's, it's providing a package for people that helps guide them. And ultimately, all therapy is self-therapy. You know, even when you're sitting there with Luke or I have my client, at the end of the day, it is that relationship with ourselves that makes those transitions. And we do need guidance and we do need help. But 
you know, it, it comes from within. And that is what's so empowering um, is when you realize that, when you realize that you're, you're the one who, who can not save yourself, but certainly love yourself. Um, and that's, that's what the book is about, essentially the self-love habit. Brilliant. So that's we can look forward to that in February. And I don't want to keep it too because we've been talking for an hour, which is absolutely flown by. And you probably have clients to see and, and probably taking yeah. up your time. <laughs> exactly. I do. I do. But time is I, money. It's lovely to chat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I could talk to you for another hour at least. And uh, and thank you very much for putting up with me for the hour. Um, and uh yeah, the, the two books, I'll mention them in the outro and the intro and, and uh, where people can get them yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And best to look at it. It was lovely to catch up with you. It was really nice, Keith. Absolutely. And thank you for having me and well done on all your great work and keep going with it. Like, you know. Have you been hypnotizing me while we've been talking now? Am I hypnotized? <laughs> do I? You do, you do seem very chilled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy, yes. It's yeah. all, it's, it's, I like spending time with the people I love, like myself and, uh, <laughs> and people that, and, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, and other people that love themselves too. Fiona, thanks yeah. a million. Thanks a million. And uh, we'll talk again. Pleasure, we'll talk yeah. again soon. Um, and I stay, hope so. Yeah. Stay Lots in touch. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. There you go. That was Fiona. And uh, thank you very much to Fiona, Fiona Brennan. Uh, as I said, you should uh, seek her out. Uh, the Positive Habit is her book, and it comes with audio. And uh, she um, she has an online presence, so she has a blog and she has a website and all that kind of stuff. So uh, go and find her and follow her, and uh, she can help uh, with um, whatever, whatever. It's all good. Um, I'm slightly distracted because my son is on the landing playing with the dog and my daughter is involved somehow Finn 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 I'm just recording here Ma Finn come on keep the noise down they don't care they won't listen to me they won't keep the noise down just my podcast um so yeah that's fiona and um i'm very much looking forward to catching up with fiona again and uh, seeing her uh, in person and um doing a bit of work with her yeah her second book the the um the self-love habit is the name of the book uh, i think i'm okay to say that and that will be out early next year um so keep an eye out for that as well um, and that's it. It was just uh, it was just lovely to chat to her. I think I learned a lot from it. Um, I think even just the fact that uh, you know she gave up the she was so dramatic in the way she gave up the acting and then you know completely sort of switched to a whole new career and really just you know as soon as it's fascinating to me like as soon as she got the right thing it just everything clicked into place and it just worked for her. Now she's writing books and she's. She's got her own, you know, clinic and she, she's got her own practice. And she, it's just sometimes, and I've said it before, you might get to the top of the ladder and realize that the ladder was up against the wrong wall. And you need to move the ladder to a different wall and then try and get to the top of that ladder. But, you know, it's, it's, it's all those, uh, all those, 
um, ways of trying to explain uh, how you might be doing the wrong thing and a switch like that can really improve your life and make things better anyway I think I've wittered on enough um, thank you very much for listening to the podcast as always my name is Keith Walsh I don't know why I'm telling you that I think I'm just distracted by the kids out there and I can't really focus um, yeah keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com is the email address if you want to Get in touch about anything, any questions, any questions for Fiona, I could pass them on. Uh, any questions for me, I could pass them on to myself. Uh, KeithWalchPod at gmail.com is the other email address. You can follow me on Instagram Twitter. Do please recommend the podcast to your friends. Uh, share it on your social media, please. And uh, rate and review it as well, so a little review would be nice. Um, a rating would be great. I think, there's, uh, I think you can only do five-star ratings at the moment. And uh, shout out to the good people at Acast, the Acast network, for um, looking after me and putting me on their network. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Listen, mind how you go and have a good evening. And, you know, be good to yourself. You're a good person. You're doing good things. You're doing your best. You know, so give yourself a break. And uh, the one thing, actually, I know I was trying to finish up, but the one thing I would say to people who do have a drink and enjoy a drink and that can be a great release and can give people a bit of a break from whatever it is that has them mithered normally so if you were going to have a glass of wine or two do it you know don't feel bad about it sometimes as i mentioned there you just might just need it and uh, we what we definitely don't need is another thing to beat ourselves up over so um if I drink less now, it's taken me a long time to get to that point. And as I explained to somebody recently, myself and drink didn't break up. We just kind of went our own separate ways. It was very amicable. We see each other every now and then <laughs> briefly, but uh, I don't enjoy it anymore. But no, it's all good. It's all good. We're still, if we see each other, we'll talk. But, you know, I might not partake. Anyway. Um, definitely saying goodbye now. Good luck. Mind yourself. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 